Welcome to episode seven of Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Galina. And I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Chu, who has some of the finest Detroit Tiger paraphernalia around. Just follow him on If the Chew Fits and you'll see what I mean. What's happened to this, Scott? Not much. That is my favorite hat of all time. What I love about the old Tigers logos is all of those Tigers look like they are absolutely insane. Like they have crazy eyes or like a like it's I love it. It's brilliant. And it went even better with that opening day win from the Tigers. Miggy hitting that bomb in the blizzard. Oh, couldn't couldn't be happier. I'm not going to get a lot of joy this season from the Tigers. So I'm holding on to that moment for a very long time. I loved seeing that home run. I also loved the fact that he didn't know it was gone. And he slid into second. That was that was, that was great as well. He's but hustling, was, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, give, give me uh, his final stats for this season. Give me an estimate. Oh, it's a million home runs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, Who's I will say more he, home runs. Him or Pujols? Pujols hit one as well. Right? I I actually I love that. Um, I I like Miggy there, uh, mm-hmm. just because his body is somehow less broken down than Pujols's. <laughs> And uh, like AJ Hinch says, he's going to play first base two, mm-hmm. three times a week. So mm-hmm. I love that for Miggy because he, you know, he loves being on the field, messing with guys at first base, made a diving stop. Uh, this podcast isn't about Miguel Cabrera. So I'm just going to take this moment to keep talking about Miguel Cabrera. Um, I do think that in a 15 teamer, an AL only, there might be some like usefulness at periods throughout the season as a fill in good batting average, maybe mm-hmm. not a ton of power. He's going to keep hitting in the middle of the lineup. That's not going to be a ton of RBI, but it'll be some. You might find a use for him depending on your situation in a given season, but it's not right now. And we'll talk more about that later, but it's probably not right now, but it's good for baseball. It's good for anyone who likes Absolutely. watching baseball, mm-hmm. seeing yeah, trip, former hoping. Triple Crown winner yeah. just blasting it in the snow. That was great. Yes. I, I was hoping maybe we could uh, get like a 270, 275 batting average out of him. I don't know, 25, 27 home runs, maybe 80 RBI. Is that asking too much? Maybe, but mm-hmm. I love it. So but we'll just Miggy. run with it. We're going we're gonna to roll with it. We're going to roll he's with Miggy. it. He's Miggy. He could do <laughs> this. That, I mean, that's the explanation. He's Miggy. Why not? <laughs> so uh, just as a reference point for you, we're recording this podcast early Saturday afternoon, April the 3rd. And Scott, uh, I love the fact that we're talking about regular season baseball because this is the first in-season podcast that we're recording and it feels great i mean i'm back into my regular season morning ritual of checking the standings in my fantasy baseball leagues and i like to to watch a quick pitch on the mlb network i usually tape it you know on my dvr overnight and things are just starting to fall back into place yeah there's plenty of games to watch plenty of things you can see mm. if, if you want to scout guys you could scout guys right now with with good camera angles and a bunch of major leaguers on the field instead of maybe like half and half. On on one hand, like it's great that it's real. On the other hand, we're about to do a whole podcast where we tell you like not to panic, not to, not to worry too much. So it's almost like spring in the way where we're like the stats don't matter. They kind of yeah. do. They kind of don't. Kind of in a weird place for that right now. But um, it is great that at the end of the day, these stats count. Mm-hmm. Even if we say they don't matter, they count. Right? That home run, uh, yes. if you had Miggy, that count. Yeah, absolutely. So it's already been an entertaining start to the season. We talked about Miggy. Gary Sanchez, Yankees catcher, who I've been a very harsh critic of, smacked a long home run on opening day. So that gives me hope. Oh, that Gary is scary. Because, hey, he needs to get off to a, a quick start. Like I mentioned, Pujols with a home, or, home run already. 
Eric Hosmer, Austin Meadows, Buster Posey, Keto Marte. The list goes on and on. Seeing Trey Mancini back in, uh, in a lineup in the major leagues. Cody Bellinger's home run that wasn't, right? Trevor Bauer almost uh, going six no-hit innings and him and Raimo Tapia staring each other down. And I get I get why people don't like Bauer because I was listening a little bit to his post-game press conference and he's like, yeah, I just like to embarrass hitters. So, uh, But he also had Yermin Mercedes playing DH for the White Sox. Scott, five for five on Friday night, four runs batted in. This guy has an 833 lifetime batting average. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if, if I'm him, I'm like considering retiring, right? Like, <laughs> this is it. This is all I needed. But in reality, that, that is what's fun about this part of the season. You love looking at like the overall stat lines. I'm pretty sure Jake Cronenworth still has a 1,000 batting average and OBP, <laughs> right? Like, I know that on opening day, he took uh, two swings. He had two hits and got on base four times. So got on base twice for every swing. Right. That's pretty good. Um, so so that part is fun. And of course, because we're talking so much about hitters doing well, we know that pitchers did not. Right. Mm. We got a couple other podcasts on this network that talk a lot about pitching. So we won't talk about it a ton, but a lot of struggles from starting pitching. And, yeah. you know, to keep with the theme, don't panic yet. It's cold in a lot of places. So, you know, if when you're watching Shane Bieber give up, you know, a, a home run that was in the snow, I, I don't even think you could see the mitt. Right. Like it was it was cold. He's a fastball command guy. Can't feel his fingers. And he serves up a bit of a meatball for Miguel Cabrera. That's going to happen in April. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to be cold sometimes. You know, Luis Castillo, it was cold and miserable in Cincinnati. Both of the pitchers struggled there. I mean, it's it's been a little ugly, but that's because the weather in April is no good. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be hard for pitchers to do that. Not so much in the warm parts of the country and, and in the indoor games, but. If you've got games in the Midwest, the Northeast, it's cold and it's miserable sometimes. And I jest, but maybe I don't because, you know, these pitchers got to be careful. They can't put stuff on the ball anymore. You know, I I, I don't want to take too much time on that, but it's funny. The players never complain about it, right? You don't hear players after every game. He had stuff on the ball. What you hear is, I hope he doesn't hit me, right? Like one, if he puts a little bit of stuff on there to make sure I don't take one to the temple. You know, you, you can have your, you know, bullfrog sunscreen and whatever, right? Go yeah. ahead. I don't care. I understand they don't want cheating. And I understand that they noticed some guys had these crazy spikes in spin rate. And I'm all for not get, letting players get an uncomfortable edge, you know, a, a, an illegal edge. But also, I don't want to see a guy have to, you know, sail a fastball because he can't feel his fingers and mm. being a guy in the head. Nobody yeah. wins there. So, right. you know, I hope that they find ways these pitchers can still feel their fingers, have control of the ball, enough control so that these guys throwing 97 mile an hour gas are hitting people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do understand what Major League Baseball is trying to do. Sure. Unfortunately, you know, we're excited about the start of the Major League Baseball season, but real life kind of crept in because the Mets National Series was postponed uh, due to COVID. Four confirmed national players uh, testing positive. Another five players plus one staff member are confirmed to have close contact with the four players who tested positive. So all nine are in quarantine. Makeup dates have yet to be announced, but this just goes to show you, we've spoken about this in previous podcasts. Try to get as many multi-positional eligible players on your team as possible, whether it's the top tier guys like uh, the DJ LeMayhew or, you know, somebody like a a Muncie or uh, David Fletcher. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
unfortunately, COVID's not gone yet. It's mm-hmm. still something we're going to see from time to time. Now, on the plus side, it's not nearly as bad as we saw early in the season in 2020, right. where we had like the Cardinals, their whole team was out for two weeks, right? I don't Marlins, think that's what Marlins too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that, but we mm-hmm. are going to see this, right? So, you know, hopefully, your league has IL spots and things like that to allow you to be more flexible. If you're if you're in like the NFBC, they don't. So you need to be ready to fill those spots in at any given time, right? This mm-hmm. was, if there was a year to be deep, this was the year, yeah. you know, to maybe mm-hmm. forego, you know, if you have to forego some top end talent, just so you have depth, this, mm-hmm. this could definitely be the year for that. I know we got some injuries to talk about too, and mm-hmm. that stuff's important. The other thing to note about this though, is that that means, especially if you're in a weekly league, this will matter. You're going to have some weeks where the Mets and Nats have more than seven games, Mm-hmm. So something to keep an eye on throughout the season. It's easy to reschedule these interdivisional games. So we're gonna see, we're gonna see them sort of um, have these, you know, eight game weeks, and mm-hmm. that's really important if you're in a weekly league. Yeah, good point. And of course, we hope that every player who has either contracted the disease or come in contact with it is healthy. But it's also, uh, you know, they're not saying who the players are, and of course, there are privacy concerns. We understand that totally, but I mean, there's some pretty big name players on that team, you know, Max Scherzer and Juan Soto and Trey Turner, all of which on different teams, uh, you know, we have shares of, we, we roster. So, but the number one thing is we just hope that they're healthy and, and able to just get uh, back to uh, playing baseball. So uh, you mentioned the injuries. So let's go over them real quick. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi, uh, shortstop for the Royals, oblique strain was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to March 30th. So it's possible he might just miss the first week of the season. Nicky Lopez uh, wasn't expected to make the team after batting 118 this spring, but because of that, he's on the roster, the opening day roster. Now, Lopez had been considered uh, one of the Royals' top prospects in the past, 296 career minor league batting average, a bit of a speedster, but so far has disappointed. So I don't see any real fantasy value there. No, and this is par for the course for Aldoberto Mondesi, unfortunately. If you thought you were getting 150 games, you know, I'm sorry. That was unlikely. But he can lead the league in stolen bases in 100 games. He Give can. him 100 games, I think he can lead the league in stolen bases and still get you the stats you were expecting, right? Uh, at least on the speed side, maybe a little light on the home runs. But Mondesi is, is a guy that does everything in bursts. So he was never going to be an accumulator. He's not like a Jeff McNeil type where you need to play every single day. He is a guy who for, I mean, we even saw this last year where he was pretty much, you know, fantasy wasteland for the entire season and then wasn't for like two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And in those two and a half weeks turned himself into one of, you know, a, a top player in fantasy because of what he did in a two week stretch as the kind of guy he is. So you knew you were going to have to, you knew you were going to have to cover for him for it for times this season. Oblique strains are a little tricky because it's the core and any injuries to the core can, can linger around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nicky Lopez matters in all, even in like, you got to be in rough shape and an NL only even I think for Nicky Lopez at best when he was still an exciting prospect, he was like a 10 stolen base, 10 home run guy with a good average. And now he's not even that. So probably not going to anything there, but you know, I, I wouldn't be worrying about replacing the speed for Mondesi right now. I'd be looking to replace the at-bats at shortstop. And I think that's the one mistake you could make is, oh, no, I lost Mondesi. I need to get speed. No, you don't. Uh, I mean, maybe in a head-to-head weekly, but 
in a roto, you don't need the speed. He's still going to give it to you because you didn't need many games to do that. Just go ahead and replace the at bats. Maybe mm-hmm. boost up some batting average. Get someone who can who can actually hit, right. you know, and and maybe make a little floor there. And then when Mondesi comes back, he'll steal all the bases you need. Josh Donaldson, Twins uh, third baseman, injured his hamstring rounding first base after getting his first hit of the season. Left the game, and at the at the time that we're recording this podcast, I see no timetable for his return. I'm not trying to say it's either good or bad, but the only thing is that you could say with Donaldson, he's always been slow to heal. And so far, at least they're not mentioning anything about his calf because, you know, his calf has been a, a chronic problem with him. I guess this might open up uh, a spot where Alex Kirilov might be called up. You know, maybe. I mean, because uh, uh, Luis Arise uh, replaced him at third base, but uh, there's they have an open spot now. One of the things I've liked about the Twins, and, and if you listened at all to PL Shorts, you might have heard that I picked the Twins to win this division, even though the White Sox are in it. And it's because this team has depth. Mm. The Twins have a ton of depth. They have, I mean, they were trying to find ways to play Arias. They didn't even know where they were going to put him, right? Between him mm. and Polanco and all the other pieces they have. Also in the minors, like you said, they've got Alex Kirilov. He could get a call up. And they've got like two other young outfielders that are just like him in Trevor Larnich and uh, Brent Rooker. I mean, they're all the same guys, mm-hmm. a bunch of power hitting corner outfielders who maybe don't field well, but do hit the ball hard. Kirilov Scott probably got the best hit tool of them, but I think that could be uh, the case. I think what it really does in the short term is Arise is probably playing every day now. And Hey, mm-hmm. my favorite guy who I don't get a lot of chances to talk about anymore. Willens Ostadio made this team Love him, yes. and he can play third base. So, you know, in a, in my dream universe, that happens <laughs> for fantasy, ignore that whole bit. But in my dream world, La Tortuga is getting some playing time, but ultimately the twins are really one of the reasons they're willing to take on a guy like Josh Donaldson is because they can manage without him being there for 150 games. Mm-hmm. They, it's just like Montessi. They're hoping they get a hundred out of the guy right. because they can cover the rest. They're just a really, really deep team on the hitting side. So if you, if you have him in fantasy, yeah, maybe you hope he hits the IL so he can get healthy and really get that lower half working. If not, you're just going to kind of not know what you're going to do with him. You know, whether does he play or not, you're going to have to check every day. But, you know, and slightly better news, you're going to get some more looks at Luis Arias, who I really like. As much as I don't like the Twins because I'm a Tigers guy, I love some of the pieces they picked up between Polanco and Arias and Kirilov. I like a lot of those guys. So I want to see how that shakes out. But I think the there's no winners when guys get hurt, but a guy with the most opportunity gained from this is probably Luis Arias. Another guy that's been troubled with injuries throughout his career, and it's a young career, uh, Nick Senzel, the everyday center fielder for the Reds, made a great diving play in the outfield and ended up injuring his left shoulder in the process. He had a very good spring. A lot has been expected from him. Top prospect. Unfortunately, things just haven't fallen into place for him. Yeah, a former top 10 prospect. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not, I think it's a really good point, Joe. You don't want to overlook the fact that this was a very, very well-regarded prospect, even though, you know, in the majors, it's been a little hit and miss. It was a real rough 2020. This was a guy who I really thought could threaten, you know, 20 steals or something. Sorry. You know, maybe he could threaten 20 steals, probably 20 home runs. 15 to 20 steals, especially if he had played a full season. I'm a little worried about the shoulder here. I know that today is Saturday. He's not in the lineup today. Um, He's got some contact. I'm I'm excited to watch him grow. I hope this doesn't hold him back too much. Uh, I like the plate discipline still. The contact and the quality of contact wasn't good. I think that can get better. He's not even 26 yet. But for right now, if you're in like a 12-teamer, like a Yahoo-style three outfield league, 
as much as I like Senzel. I'm not saying you should cut him. I'm just saying if you already were trying to cover for the loss of maybe an Eloy Jimenez or something like that, this is probably one of your last outfielders. Mm-hmm. And unless you really need the speed, you can replace the power and you can replace the batting average real easy because he wasn't going to stand out for those things anyway. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be drastic here, but if you're especially uh, definitely in a 10 teamer with three outfield, oh, yes. maybe in a, tw- a 12 teamer or three outfield, I'm not saying you should drop him. I'm just saying if there's a, if there's a good option in the outfield out there, it's something to consider because this was probably your last outfielder anyway. Yeah. Hopefully you have an IL spot. Uh, Yahoo, I think, has IL spots, but you're right. If, if you've already got, let's say, an Eloy Jimenez there or and another player or whatnot, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Marlins starting pitcher, uh, who's been throwing at the uh, alternate training site, had some slight discomfort in his right shoulder, got an MRI. MRI uh, shows that there's some mild inflammation in the back of his shoulder. And basically, I guess it's not terrible news because they're being he's being prescribed to rest for now. Sure, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you throw up red flags when a guy says shoulder or elbow issues, I'm not going to stop you, right? Mm-hmm. I get it. They were going to manage his innings anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure this really changes anything about what I think of Sixto Sanchez. Of course, you know, guys who aren't complaining about shoulder injuries are a little safer than guys who are. But you're right. This is pretty decent news. I'm not cutting him in any format. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm accepting the fact that if I drafted Sixto Sanchez and I spent the time during the draft, either, you know, the two minutes in the fast draft, the eight hours in a slow draft, I picked Sixto Sanchez knowing that this was not a 200 inning arm. This was probably not a 150 inning arm, right? And this is just part of the reason why this doesn't change my projections yet because I was waiting for stuff like this to happen. So that's okay. You did it for the quality of innings. So those can still come. You're just going to have to be a little patient for him. Yep. And I'll just talk about the last two players real quick because we've spoken about them in the past. Zach Galen uh, had a 39-pitch uh, bullpen session Wednesday, and it sounds like once he can throw the curveball without discomfort, he's going to be ready to go. But uh, Virginia Zach's inside injuries for the athletic said basically it's a unique injury to baseball players when he has this little uh, fracture in his, his forearm. She's saying that it should take a full eight weeks to heal uh, so we're still talking mid to late May. Then, of course, you know he's going to have to get stretched out again. So that that takes you into into May, maybe in mid or even a little bit later. And George Springer opened up the season on the IL, gives uh, Randall Grichuk some playing time. Of course, uh, Springer had that oblique problem. The Blue Jays had been trying to play it off, and they were trying to say that he was going to be ready for opening day. But those oblique injuries are very very tough to uh, heal from. Yeah, they are, and I do wonder if they would have been even more hesitant to put him on the IL, if they didn't have Grichik just sitting there on the bench, not really knowing what they were going to do with him. So I don't expect him to be out long. It was a grade two, which is like the medium, not great news. But again, this was another guy who, as much as I loved him, you know, coming into the season, I was doing my projections on 140 games Mm -hmm. because something like this was going to happen. It stinks that it's happening right away. But this kind of thing is is why we project a player like him for 130 and 140 games instead of 150 to 160. So, you know, this is par for the course. This doesn't change anything yet, right? You know, if he's out and it's May, that's a problem. That changes a lot of things. But for right now, I expected him to miss 20 games this season. Right. So he's still kind of on track to do that. So not overly worried yet. Same for, I mean, Gallon, it, it stinks more because 
He, you know, I didn't necessarily expect him to miss a bunch of time. It is a weird injury. It's nice to hear him that he's throwing these bullpen sessions, though. It's going to take some time to heal, but maybe the stretching out won't be so bad. If he can keep pitching through this because it's a fracture, it's not a tendon thing. Mm -hmm. As long as he's not making impact on it, maybe he can keep pitching. Maybe he can stay, maybe not all the way stretched out, but he can be pretty loose and ready to go. So at least that's nice. This is different than a normal elbow or shoulder injury where Mm -hmm. it's total bed rest kind of thing. He's at least able to pitch through it, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. So let's move on to uh, some waiver wire talk early in the season. And this podcast obviously comes out on Monday. So usually uh, waiver wires uh, run late Sunday night overnight. So you probably would have made your waiver wire moves by the time you're hearing this. But I thought we'd just have a quick chat about working the waiver wire early in the season. Scott, you know, we, we spoke just before the podcast about you know, how we as fantasy GMs, you know, we, we put in the time, you know, a month, month and a half, two months prior to the season, researching players and whatnot. And of course, it's human nature to have kind of like knee jerk reactions after, you know, just a couple of, of games early in the season. But I feel that, you know, sometimes you, you don't have to always be the fantasy team with a brand new toy. And then other times you don't want to be too late to the party, especially if you play in, in deep leagues. But I mean, how many times in your fantasy career have you had a situation where you said, man, I'm glad I didn't pick that player up. I mean, not as many times as maybe I've been burned by guys that I fell in love with, but <laughs> right. it, it does happen a lot. And I think what's really important here is you can do, first of all, we're all going to tell you this whole industry is going to tell you, don't panic in April, right? Don't panic in April. Don't panic in April. Don't panic in April. And what we're talking about is the high-end players. Those first 10 to 15 picks you made, leave them alone. You can still do waiver wire stuff early in the season, right? You can still stream pitchers right now. Those last couple picks you made, those pure specs, those are the guys you can start thinking about cycling off. Where, you know, maybe not because of one-day performance, but, you know, you've been watching a couple days, maybe you're in a daily league, and, hey, you know what? This guy's hitting in the middle of an order, and... You know, I, I want to pick that up or I'm in a weekly, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a league that's daily moves, but it's weekly head to head that last part of your bench, go ahead and and cycle that through just like you would at any point in the season. Mm -hmm. What we're going to tell you is don't panic about like the top players. You're not cutting those guys, right? Like you're not cutting, you know, I, Mike Trout obviously has done some good things already, but, and that's an extreme example, but you weren't going (laughs) to, there's in like, a lot of news you're going to get early is not actionable because those players are too good. Never, you never want to be the one cutting the best guy on the waiver wire, right? Like sometimes you have to, but not in April. You don't have to be that guy in April or that girl in April who cuts the best player on the waiver wire, the one that everyone's fighting for now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're cutting, you're cutting that last pitcher that you drafted. Maybe that reserve outfielder that you drafted for someone else who's getting more opportunity right now, right? Maybe you're in a you're in a 12 teamer on Yahoo and Luis Arias is out there, and you've got you know you spent a spec pick on like Sam Hilliard, right? I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and cut Sam Hilliard. Bring in Luis Arias. You can do that kind of stuff. You're not you're not dropping the guys you took in the first 10 to 15 rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Those were the guys, like you said, Joe. You researched. You spent time on, you've got projections for that have not changed yet. Mm -hmm. If your projections had this one guy way better than the others, you got to keep them. 
unless unless you think your projections were that bad, right? <laughs> which which you shouldn't yet, you know. So go ahead and make some moves based on opportunity for short term because there's always guys, and you know Nick Pollock preaches this too. There's always guys on your team that aren't designed to be on your roster the whole season. Right. It might end up that way because they ended up being good, but at the end of the day, a lot of these guys you're kind of meaning to to stream on and off that mm-hmm. last outfielder. Maybe you punted first base a bit and you're just kind of cycling through guys till someone sticks, right? That's okay. You can still do that. Just please don't don't touch the good players. Leave them yep. alone. Just, yeah, you'll get news, but you can't do anything about it. And just accept that. And if you want to make your moves because you're just itching to make ads and drops, do it with the Lisa, Luis Arias's of the world, right. right? The Nick Senzels. You guys, you can mess with those guys, but leave the rest alone. Yep. Uh, also, very important, I think, is to use this time to get to know the other players in your league, right? Uh, you got to monitor the waiver wire activities of your league mates. Kind of pay attention to, are they aggressive in their bidding? Even more important, who did they drop? Because, you know, sometimes their garbage could be your hidden treasure. I mean, that's a really good point. Good players are dropped in April because fantasy is played by humans mm-hmm. and we make bad decisions, right? I've done it. Everyone's done it. You make bad decisions. So go ahead and, and like, you can take advantage of those. If someone drops a player that you think's good, that you think's worth holding, or maybe they didn't have any IL spots to use, but you do, and you can scoop that up. Go ahead and do that. This is a good time to sort of like pick through other people's trash, like you said, and, and keep what's good. Keep what's still shiny. You know, especially if you have the roster roster flexibility to do so. If you've been lucky on the injury side so far, pick up some of the people that had to be cut because other teams had to make a choice because they didn't have a starter. You know, so so go ahead and do that. You can really benefit there because again, your your projections are still on pace. There are very few projections that were changing at this point in the season. And if yep. you have a guy that you projected to be really good, go get, and he's on the wire, go get him. Especially if they're better than a player you have, go get him. This is the time. This is the time to make those kinds of moves. Yep. And uh, if the TGFBI League, the great fantasy baseball invitational, actually had their first waiver wire run prior to the start of uh, opening day. And uh, just to give you a reference, I I picked up Jonathan India and I dropped Kirby Yates. I mean, Kirby Yates obviously done for the year. uh, And I used seven and a half percent, 75 bucks because it's a thousand dollar fab bid. And I tried to get your boy uh, Casey Mize, but Steve Jeswell, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. He's in my league. He's a pitcherless rider. Beat me to him. So I had a $50 bid on Casey Mize. But uh, I, I dropped Stephen Piscotti and I picked up Taylor Trammell for 25 bucks. just as a, I mean, I figured Steve Piscotti, I, I like him, but I, he started the season with a little bit of a wrist uh, issue. And, you know, I mean, Taylor Trammell got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. I'm almost like, just like speculating on him. I feel like I didn't have to drop anybody too crazy for him. Those are the perfect kind of moves. It's exactly what we're talking about, what you do in April. You take mm-hmm. those last outfielders. Piscotti's probably the last outfielder on your bench, and you mm-hmm. replace him with another one because he played in a game, right? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Like, those are the moves that when you were in that draft, this is one of your last round picks. And, like, you might have even thought, like, well, maybe Taylor Trammell. I mean, mm-hmm. the TGFBI drafts happen pretty early in the offseason, so you don't really know, even know who's going to make a team yet. Those are the kinds of ads and drops that are perfect to make right now. But also, I didn't hear you talk about any names that I'd be like, oh, man, that's a guy you should have, right? Because you're, you're, it's the last guys on your bench. Like, oh, you know what? I, I like Stephen Piscotti. He had a really nice story a couple of years ago. Let's yes. Let's just, you know, let's. but he's, he's going to cycle on and off. That's mm-hmm. fine. 
right? Mm-hmm. Keep cycling those guys so something hits. Yep, Casey yep. Mize, you know, Steve actually helped out with, or it was really one of the main driving forces of the math, the mechanical adjustment tracker for hitters that we had at pitcher mm-hmm, list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sorry to hear that he beat you out on Mize, but right. those are the kinds of ads you're making. Those last mm-hmm. pitchers, those last outfielders, be aggressive there mm-hmm. and be more conservative on the, you know, again, the first 10, 15 round guys that you pick. Yep. And you know where you're going to have to be really aggressive. And, and I agree with your philosophy where maybe we're being overly aggressive is bullpens and closers because Tanner Scott went for $252. That's a little over 25% of the total fair budget. Somebody paid $252 for him. Now Tanner Scott is going to be the closer for the Orioles, at least for a chunk of the season. But that's a you have to be real aggressive when you're bidding on closers these days. You really do. And there were guys that I was willing to be aggressive on, you know, like the, the Jordan Jordan Romano was a guy mm-hmm. who I think a lot of people were aggressive on sure. early. Mm-hmm. I spent, I think, half that amount of fab on Ian Kennedy because I do think he's going to lock that job down for a while mm-hmm. uh, in TGFBI and, and because I lost a closer. So that's fine. But yeah, I, the one place where I'm probably willing to fall behind early in the season is saves not because mm-hmm. I want to fall behind, but because the cost benefit analysis for the first week, everybody's got all their fab. Everybody's, you know, dreaming that this guy could be the closer the whole season. They're going mm-hmm. to bid two, three times what this guy would have gone for if he became the closer in May or June. Right. And I'm not so certain that in many cases, like a Tanner Scott, that you're actually going to get a whole lot of extra benefit, right? Like the odds that he stays the closer the whole year, not great. Mm-hmm. Right, because the the or the O's don't care. They don't have any reason to have some dedicated closer. So, I mean, I, I'm not crazy about bidding on closers right now. And when I am, it's because I have to have one, and I'm overbidding a little. Mm-hmm. But you know, even with Jordan Romano, I wasn't going to bid more than ten to twelve percent of my fab. Right? right, if someone went over the top and went and got him, like you know, good on you. I hope it works out for you. But mm-hmm. I, I, there's no profit for me there. There's no – it's going to be hard for me to win with that, especially because I might have to replace him. What if Dolis gets the job, right? Dolis isn't, wasn't as hurt as much as we thought. He's already back. So mm-hmm. he, neither of them even got to save on opening day, right? It was some guy – Julian Merriweather. <laughs> right, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. he's the, he's the new hot uh, – Yeah, sure. – talking about right now. So, so if you can skip the bullpen stuff right now, skip the bullpen stuff because you're going to pay all this money and you're not going to get any clarity. And mm-hmm. it's okay to fall a little behind in saves. Jobs are going, new guys are going to get jobs throughout the season. This oh, doesn't yes. all happen in April. So, yeah. if you and need if to save fast, is that good on a team like the Orioles that are rebuilding? Watch them trade him at the trade deadline. So, and the team that he goes to, he won't be their closer. So, that's another thing to consider as well. Yeah, I mean it's a great point. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, we we don't we don't know. We're still speculating a lot, and I don't like speculating with a quarter of my fab. Right. That's not, right. That's not yeah. speculating, right? A quarter of my fab is something that I need to produce, mm-hmm. and maybe Tanner Scott does. But I mean, think through it in your head. Simulate the season hundred times. How many times is Tanner Scott worth a quarter of your fab? Right. Probably not as right. many as you hope. Right. So exactly. don't get caught up in that. You always have to bid a little more in April. But closers, you already had to bid more anyway. So then it just gets gross. So yeah. try not to. Go ahead and fall behind a little in saves. It's April, guys. You, you can do it. You're fine. And i uh, tell you, my TGFBI team, I'm a little 
my starting pitching is a little weak. So, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday, and this doesn't our, our podcast doesn't release until Monday. But I'll just share it with you, Scott. Uh, I put in a couple bids, one for Logan Allen for eighty six bucks because I noticed that the highest bid the prior week was like eighty five. Other than closes, was like eighty five. So, kind of want. Logan Allen uh, and Logan Webb. I put equal bids for both of them, two different players. But now I'm looking, I was dropping Renato Nunez uh, from Baltimore for Logan Allen. And then I was dropping Michael Kopech uh, from the White Sox. But Kopech actually pitched two innings on Friday night, three strikeouts. He looked pretty good. So I don't know if I should, you know, hold on to him and maybe, you know, eventually he could join that starting rotation. Yeah, dude throws gas, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of exciting things about Michael Kopech. We don't know if or when he's even going to be in the rotation this year. We mm-hmm. know that he opted out for all of last season. He's presumably healthy. Looks like he's pitching well. I like those bids because, again, you're not – let's say they don't pan out. You can recover from 10% mm-hmm. of your fab. Right. You can do that. But, I mean, Logan Allen is five times the talent of Tanner Scott. No offense to Tanner Scott. Logan Allen is just a really exciting young pitcher. and. Right. He he didn't cost he's not going to cost you two fifty two, right? Like <laughs> that's that's what's crazy to me. So those are the spec ads to make right now from the last guys. I mean Nunez for Detroit didn't even make the team. That's a mm-hmm. rough place to be, you know. Like mm-hmm. they're like you know what we'll put we'll put Miggy in the field, right? We think that's a plus over right. Nunez. Nunez looked miserable fielding at first base, which is hard to do, right? You just got to be big and reach, and he wasn't doing that well, right? The guy couldn't scoop, so he's out. Those are the guys you can cut, replace the Logan Allens of the world. Go ahead and make that, you know, make that, mm-hmm. yeah, make that shot. You're going to get other guys that you're going to cycle through a little bit until things start to stick. But that part of your roster isn't designed to stay on your team the whole year. Right. Go ahead and cycle it and see if you can find some someone that will. Right. That's the dream. I also put a three dollar a bid on Tanner Halp, who's actually starting. Like I said, we're recording this on Saturday. He's starting today for the Red Sox. Figure that he's he's worth a look. Three dollars, uh, you know, you know, dropping Nunez just in case the other deal doesn't go through. And with Eduardo Rodriguez dealing with a dead arm, you know, I, I know how you know he had a really nice uh, debut last year. Problems with control has always been an issue, and he had eleven walks in just under uh, eleven innings this spring. But uh, I, I even checked with uh, Nick Pollock and his uh, articles. He likes his slider so. Uh, if Nick likes his slider, I'll take a shot at him for three dollars. Yeah, you're going fishing, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're, you're, throwing, you're throwing a line out. You're going to see if it works. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You lost your three bucks. Tanner Houck has a bad start, and you let him go. That's what April's for: cycling mm-hmm. through, right? I mean, I know that right here in the show notes, we were going to talk about Michael Waka. He had a good yeah, spring. Yeah, absolutely. He, he gave yeah. up a couple home runs. Um, the Rays know how to get stuff out of the pitchers. If you've got a gaping hole at starting pitching, go ahead and try it right? Try it. You can recover right now, right? Mm-hmm. If Michael Waka goes out and has a less than impressive debut, and then instead you want to go out and grab someone else who's sitting on the waiver wire, maybe you find out Randy, Randy Dobnak's going to get a start. You want to try that instead, and Waka mm-hmm. wasn't good. Go ahead. It's fine. It's April. You can recover from a lot of this stuff. You're not, as long as you're not cutting big-time assets that you're going to regret, you go ahead. You can still have all this freedom. As much as we're going to talk about being conservative and don't panic, rotating out the end of your roster is not panicking. It's fantasy management. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. That's this game, right? Cycling out those last guys. Go ahead and keep doing that. Go ahead and, you know, you got you got a first baseman who's out. You had Voight. 
and you don't really know what to do, and Jay Bruce is out there, I mean, Jay Bruce isn't that good. He's not worth cutting a good player from your team, but you got an open spot because you put someone on the IL. Go do it. Go grab yourself a Jay Bruce, and if it doesn't work out, go grab somebody else. Who cares, right? What you're trying to do right now is get those at-bats, maybe try to win your weekly matchups, make yourself a little floor for April, try not to be in last, even though if you are, it's okay. Um, you know, just try to keep yourself afloat and, and you know, throw some lines out there. You want to gamble, gamble now, right? You're not fighting for your playoff, light, qu- playoff life quite yet. We don't know what right. that's going to look like. Make, right. make some moves. Jay, maybe Jay Bruce surprises us and hits a bunch of dingers and does some classic Jay Bruce stuff, right? That's cool. Short right field porch built for his yeah. swing. Why not? Right. And if he doesn't, you spent nothing for it. You let him go and you grab someone who else who might be good. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Maybe the shows that I've been playing fantasy for a little while, but uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. But really, you have to be careful if you decide to do this. But you could just put and watch him. But Travis Shaw, homecoming in Milwaukee, best seasons of his career. We're in Milwaukee, right? 230-plus uh, home run seasons. I mean, the only thing is going to kill your batting average. But talk about overreacting. Two for four with three runs batted in opening day. Why not, right? We still don't really know what that lineup's going to look like on a day-to-day basis in Milwaukee. Garcia. I mean, Avisail yeah, Avisayo Garcia. Mm-hmm. Last year, I mean, I've said this several times. Last year, played center field at 275 pounds. A literal Frank Thomas in center field. Lost a bunch of weight, looks sleek, looks good. I mean, as mm-hmm. sleek as a guy his size can be anyway, right. mm-hmm. you know, little Miggy, but he's out there. He's, <laughs> he's hitting the ball hard. He bat, he batted clean up. Maybe mm-hmm. he plays a lot more than we thought, right? Like right. we were speculating, we were mm-hmm. going off what managers were telling us, but they don't, I mean, they're not going to just outright lie to us, but they don't have any reason to tell us every inner working of their mind. So mm-hmm. if you see Avi's playing a lot, and and you think there's some potential there because he can hit the ball hard. He often hits it on the ground, but he can hit it real hard. Pick him up. You, you, mm-hmm. you got Travis Shaw out there, and he's playing more often than he thought you than he that he would. And you got an open util spot or like a corner infield spot. Why not? This is the time, especially if you got an attachment to these players, mm-hmm. right? Like Ivy Sayo Garcia is the second guy I ever wrote an article on, so I always root for him just a little, just a little. <laughs> and uh, this is the time of season where I can just go and be like, you know what? Sure. I'll grab Avi. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Because if it doesn't work out for a week, I can just let him go. I'm not invested. It's fine. But these kinds of guys, you can get excited about and use on the back end of your bench. And then if they don't work out, just make sure you're not getting overly attached. Just let them go. Let them go. And then there's always the players who won their last-minute position battles. You did it! Congratulations! And one of them is Jazz Chisholm. And I tell you, I was watching the Marlins-Rays game on Friday night on MLB Network. This guy, he is fun to watch. Uh, he's got this infectious enthusiasm about him. Uh, he beat out Isan Diaz for the starting second base job for the Marlins. And, and also, if you take a look at our graphic, you told me that he's he's one of the guys on our graphic, right, Jazz Chisholm? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's right here. Hacks and Jacks, baby. Uh <laughs> A reason to root for him, right? Like, will he hit 200? Maybe, right? Like, not a great place to be in terms of the hit tool. It's not quite there yet. But could he also hit 18 home runs, maybe steal 10 bases? Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. And and there is space for that in certain deep leagues. And even if, you know, even if you're in a shallower league, but you got a, you got a hole at maybe second base and you are a Marlins fan, you know, one of the 16 of them out there, or you just, for some reason, really like jazz, go ahead, try it. Maybe he surprises us. And if he doesn't, and you know, especially in like a 12-teamer, let him go. Search yep. elsewhere. 
You get to yep. keep cycling through because you're going to do that all season, and you can start doing that right now. Uh, actually, a, a pretty high-regarded uh, prospect. They got him back in the Zach Galen trade. So strikeouts are a problem. You're right. So batting average might be an issue. But I tell you, I had a lot of fun watching him last night. He's got that blue hair <laughs> this year. <laughs> and he hit a triple, and he just – and you could tell. I mean, the, the Marlins team kind of like, you know – rooting for him you know it just seems like a good vibe so but you're right with what you could you could pick him up off the waiver wire and if it doesn't work i just drop him i mentioned uh, taylor trammell who made uh, the the mariners team speeds through with developing power made a nice defensive play friday night so defense will keep your your bat there right had a little hit up hiccup uh when he got to double a but other than that has shown some pretty good plate discipline while in the uh, minor leagues uh, double digit walk rates i mean he's not a slam dunk, but upside is double-digit home runs and steals if he gets enough at-bats this season. Yeah, if you remember when he was with the Reds, he was a highly regarded prospect. He was a, you know, he was a pretty close to a blue chipper, you're holding on to. And then since then, he's been on two or three different teams. He keeps getting traded around. You don't like it when you see prospects get traded around because normally if someone's good, teams want to keep them and they keep moving them. But uh, yeah, I mean, Trammell's got some power and speed upside. He, he could be a very... Very useful player in fantasy. And again, if he's not, who cares? Let mm-hmm. him go. It's fine. This is the time. You know, I, I write the batter's box. I'm going to be writing the batter's box over at Pitcher List every Monday. It'll come out every Monday morning. So you get double dose of me on your Monday mornings, whether you like it or not. And you know, one of the things is, early in the season, you do get asked about these guys. Should I add Taylor Trammell? And the answer is always the same. Who are you cutting? And if it's the mm-hmm. back end of your bench, fine. Right. Fine. And that's the same answer that I give in May. Same answer I give in June. The same answer I give in August. The back end of your bench is designed for this, for picking up the Taylor Trammels of the world, seeing if they stick, and if they don't, cut them, move on, right? And we could do this. I mean, we could do this all day. David Bodie starting for you know second baseman for the Cubs. Right. Sure, sure. Have we've seen David Bodie be very useful in platoon situations? He gets a little hot. You get a bunch of questions about David Bodie, and you don't really have an answer except, well, he's David Bodie. So if you want to use him for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, that's fine. But eventually he's going to go back to being normal David Bodie and you're going to cut him and you're going to pick up someone else. That's mm-hmm. fine. Don't worry about it. Right? Like it's not it's not a huge deal. Pick him up, ride him, knowing that this is not a season long keep, right? Don't the projections help understand like the context, but the projections are also for 150 games, 130 games. You're probably not keeping Taylor Trammell or David Bodie or Jazz Chisholm or a lot of these guys for 130 games. So just see what they can do for you in two weeks and then make another decision, right? Someone else is going to pop up on the waiver wire that is even more exciting than David Bodie, which is right. you know not a huge high bar, but it's going to be someone more exciting than David Bodie. Let him go then. That's when you cut David Bodie. You pick up somebody else. Do you think it could be Akil Badu? Uh, you're, you're a Tigers fan. And, uh, this guy, he had a tremendous uh, spring training, five home runs, 10 walks in 21 games, including uh, a bomb that I got to see him watch hit against my Yankees when I was having lunch, and, and he ruined my my appetite. Uh, sounds like the Tigers are going to ease him into things. Do you know anything about him, or are you, you excited about Bedu? Yeah, a little bit. So he was a fairly highly regarded prospect when he was with the Twins, uh, kind of worked in their system for quite a long time, and then the Tigers took him on a Rule 5. And let me tell you, the Tigers have taken these kinds of guys on a Rule 5. The, the most recent example would be Victor Reyes. Right. So they take these guys in rule five. It doesn't matter how bad Akil Badu is in his rookie or in his first season with the Tigers. They're going to keep him. It's almost spiteful how often they'll keep a rule five guy on the roster 
who is terrible. Go look at Victor Reyes' first year of the Tigers. He was miserable, right? They played him just enough so that he would remember he was still on the team, so that he keeps showing up to games, right? Like, he was awful, and eventually he became a good player for them. They're going to be real patient with Badu. I don't know if he's going to play every day because the Tigers have a, a lot of outfielders that they're going to cycle through. There's probably four or five guys that are going to move around through the outfield, especially with Miggy playing first base more often than we thought. So guys are going to, like, a lot of these guys who might have been able to play on the corner infield might move to the corner outfield a little bit. He's going to play. If he starts getting regular playing time and has a little power and speed and you want to pick him up for a short term, sure. Right, but it's like far as full season goes, that's like an AL only play and not a great one. Gotcha. Okay, we haven't really talked a lot about pitching, but uh, Adbert Alzale opens the season in the Cubs rotation. Now I don't know what kind of an innings limit he's going to be on, but saw some big league action at the end of last season. Finished strong, struck out fifteen batters, and gave up just two runs in nine innings across his last two starts of the 2020 season last year. Got a really good fastball, but his curveball is known as his best pitch. Made a small change to his slider, uh, the way he grips it. So, like I said, the question is, how many innings can he pitch this season? And kind of surprising that he's in the starting rotation, and to start the season, Alec Mills is in the bullpen. Yeah, and I like that you point out, like, there's a question about how many innings he's going to pitch this season. Because I think in some formats that really matters. But let me tell you, if you're in a 10 or a 12 or even like a 15-team a redraft, who cares how many pitches he's going to throw this season? You only care about how many pitches he's going to throw in a game that's a favorable matchup that you're going to stream him in, right? Like I just don't see Alizé being a long-term ad right now. You're going to probably stream him in on weaker matchups, which there's a couple of those in the NL Central, right? So like he's got the Pirates coming at some point this season, presumably. Mm-hmm. Pick him up there. And you, you care about his, you know, innings limit, but his inning limit against the Pirates is probably six or seven, and that's fine, right? That's more than good enough to stream. Go ahead and stream him, right? Maybe he does start to click. Maybe he does do some good things. But this is the same analysis I have for Alec Mills. He might run into some good matchups, but this is not a full season guy in mixed leagues. So who cares what his innings limit's going to be in a ten or a twelve teamer, right? Because you only care about how many innings he's going to throw this week. And then you cut him because then he's going to go face a good offense. You know, maybe he's got to go into Milwaukee. So then you cut Alizé and pick up someone else's stream. This is a great stream. Like, this is going to be a good streamer sometimes. And you don't have to worry about the projections. Just worry about, can he help me right now? Right. And then whenever the answer to that question is no, you cut him and pick up somebody else. And the Dodgers put David Price in their bullpen. Of course, he opted out all uh, last season. So I don't know if part of it is just because the, he might be on an innings limit you know, because he didn't pitch it all last season. But look, let's face it, Dodgers have been pretty crafty in utilizing the 10-day IL. Uh, I I think that he and even Tony Gosselin, who's also in the bullpen, they'll probably spend some time in the starting rotation, right? I mean, uh, the only thing is that Price gave up two home runs in his season debut on Friday night, but we'll forgive him. But uh, were you surprised when David Price opened up the season of the bullpen? A bit, yeah. Um, I thought Dustin May would be in that spot. And uh, this is Dodge. I mean, this is full blown Dodgeritis. Like they've all already got it, right? I think the last two spots in the rotation are gonna sometimes be in the bullpen, sometimes be in the rotation based on their current success. They're all gonna filter in and out. Um, if if they need a lefty, and you know it can't be Kershaw, well, it'll probably be David Price, right? Guys are gonna hit the IL all the time in in LA, and that's okay. Am I stashing Price or Gonsolin in a fifteen teamer? Maybe. 
you know, if, uh, you know, NFBC, it's hard because you don't have those IL spots and you might eventually have to cut them, but you know, in a 10 or a 12 teamer, probably not. I'll, I'll probably let them go pick up something in the short term because, you know, I, I like the immediate gratification. I don't like in a shallow league, letting those guys just sit on my bench and do nothing for me. Cause you're probably not starting price while he's in the bullpen. That's not why you drafted a guy like him. His right. value is as a starter. It's not like his stuff plays up in the pen anyway. Uh, this isn't like a, you know, one of those guys like a Freddie Peralta who was right. lights out in the pen. Uh, this is David price. Who's not lights out really at any time. He's just pretty good. Mm-hmm. So probably letting him go in shallow leagues. I might hold on in deeper leagues, but eventually I'm going to run out of patience and he's not in the rotation. I'll probably let him go and pick up someone who is. There you go. He's actually on our roster in the PL uh, podcast league, but that's a 14 teamer league. So that's deep. So I I get it. Also, just to let you know, I moved Shohei Otani uh, from our bench to a utility spot because he's playing today. That's perfect. Love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm here for all the, you don't have to justify to me starting Shohei Otani. I know. Right? I, figured, <laughs> I said, I'll go out of my you, way. You drafted him because you wanted a slice of, of Otani this season. And I was surprised to see him on a bench. And I, I was wondering, cause he's pitching tomorrow. If maybe he wasn't going to start, you know, as a hitter today, but saw that he was in the angels lineup. So I said, you know what? Take Fletcher out, put Otani in. So glad you're um, on the team, Joe. That's what I'm here. That's, that's what I love to hear. <laughs> I, I put Otani in. Yes, you're in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, I started Trout for us. No, we don't have Trout. But anyway, um, so before we go, closer carousel. Just, uh, you know, some news with the closers, right? Uh, Hector Neris named the Phillies closer this week. Cincinnati is going to be using co-closers. I actually think this is very smart. Amir Garrett, a left-handed pitcher, and a right-handed pitcher, and Lucas Sims. I, I know we hate this because, you know, it, it kills us fantasy players. But it makes sense. Yeah, it's good for real baseball. You mm-hmm. know, fancy that. That you yeah, know, pretty yeah. much closers by committee are often your best move, yeah. especially when you don't have a clear best arm in your bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, they're sometimes better as a as a fireman instead of just a pure closer. So, you know, there's going to be bids out there. They're going to be high bids. I don't know how much you should bid. Depends on your league. Depends on if yeah. you even need one. Probably wouldn't yeah. worry about that much. I know like a big one that I've been asked about a lot. I've already talked a lot about. It's Cleveland, right? Karen Chack, Wickren, and um, Emmanuel yeah, that Clase. Like that's going to be a committee as well. That's yeah. The way that they spoke this week. Yeah. Yeah. And if you already drafted Karen Chack, I think you're stuck with him for a while because you used a high round draft pick to get him. But for mm-hmm. Wickren and Clay, if you want to add them, fine. Don't waste all your fab on it. Mm-hmm. And because we don't know. We don't know. Because, right. I mean, that bullpen's a little different because if Karen Chack finds control, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that if he finds control, he's the guy. His mm-hmm. stuff is just a lot better. Clay is probably second in terms of stuff. And Wickren's last, he's just dependable. But I, I wouldn't fool yourself into thinking, you know, Terry Francona told us this was going to be a committee. And, you know, he's a lot of things. He's not really a liar, right? <laughs> Usually tells us, yeah, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a committee and I probably don't want any part of it unless I'm in a very deep league and I don't have any saves. Um, and, you know, we're going to, we could talk all day about some of these other jobs that are going to, you know, that are filling in, you know, with Oakland. We got Jake Diekman and Sergio Romo. Because yep, yep. Rosenthal's on the IL. Are they worth an ad? Sure, as long as you don't pay much for it, right? And you really need saves until Rosenthal comes back. Right. Uh, and they've got a decent bullpen. So if any of those guys don't work out, they could mix and match, right? Yeah. You know, right here in the show notes, you talked about Petit, who's probably not yeah. a closer, but he's a really he's nice close. reliever for innings. Yeah. He's great nail only leagues because mm-hmm. he gets all these innings that are pretty good. Lou yes. Trevino has, has been a setup guy for them in the past. We've got 
you know, out in, in St. Louis, we've got Alex Reyes who they're calling the closer. Right. And, and I hope to see him pitch more than three times. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's not, he's really had a hard time doing that in the majors. And maybe this move to the pen helps because he's just got nasty stuff. There's also Jordan Hicks out there, sure. Giovanni Gallegos out there. Mm-hmm. These teams are going to mix it, mix and match because neutral slash it helps them win games. Yes, and that's right? the, like, that's the that, goal. <laughs> the whole point of having a closer is to win games. Right. And if you think you're going to win more games with a couple closers, then you go do that. That's what mm-hmm. you do because managers don't get paid for saves; they get paid for wins. They get paid for winning games. These teams have no like, especially the ones we just talked about. The A's have no real commitment to Jake Diekman or Sergio Romo, right? Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have no real commitment to Alex Reyes as the closer, right? Cincy has no real commitment to Amir Garrett over Lucas Sins. Cleveland has no real commitment to any of them except maybe Karen Shack, unless he's walking five guys in outing, right? Which he is. So, you know, don't get too attached to any of these guys. Maybe it turns out that it works out, but the amount of fab you'd have to spend to get some of these guys probably isn't going to be worth it. Just keep an eye on it and take the last one that goes. Take the cheapest one of all these guys, and I bet you get the most profit. Yep. So as we head out, any thoughts to the week ahead there, Scott? I mean, I was looking like for Monday. Like I said, we're we're recording this on Saturday, so we're looking way ahead. But Monday I was looking at at, if you're playing like DFS, Cub starter Trevor Williams might be somebody – that you could target. I was looking at Keston Hura. He's only four for seven against him, against Trevor Williams, but three of those four hits have been home runs. Colton Wong has a 389, 389 batting average against him. And, you know, Christian Yelich, who has gotten off to a decent start after slumping all last year. Uh, Trevor Williams has had problems with lefties, so why not put Christian Yelich in there? And Tuesday, when would you ever think about putting Mike Zanino in a DFS lineup? Well, what? The only time ever is when he's going against Martin Perez uh, on the Red Sox. Uh, Zunino has a 200 career batting average, but when he plays against Perez, he bats 273. He's six for 22 with three home runs. And I'm also looking forward to seeing a pitcher that we spoke about before, Al Zale, uh, starting at home versus the Brew Crew. I want to see my man. James Tayon on Wednesday, home start against the Orioles. That should be, I want to see uh, how long the Yankees uh, keep him in there, what kind of a pitch count he's going to have. And, of course, we have the Yankees and Rays next week in a uh, repeat of uh, uh, playoffs. So, uh, yeah, got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to look forward to this week. A lot of great stuff, and I think that the main theme, instead of just going through all my favorite games for the coming week, if you want to hear more about some of my specific picks, I will be on the PL Shorts podcast three times there a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's a nice little 10-minute podcast. We talk about some DFS stuff, some regular season stuff. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But, you know, really what I'm doing at this point in the season is I'm finding pitchers who I, you know, who I'm pretty reasonably certain aren't that good, like a Martin Perez. I'm mm-hmm. stacking hitters against them. And, yes. you know, Smart like you, Zanino, am I that interested in Zanino? No, but he can only do two things, and that's field and hit home runs. He yeah, cannot yeah, do yeah. anything else. And uh, Martin Perez is going to give him a chance to do mm-hmm. one of those things, right? So why not, right? I mean, that's really what it's I'm doing now. Is, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm streaming against teams that can't hit, right? Like mm-hmm. if I can pick up a pitcher that's going against the Pirates, I'm doing that, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can pick up a pitcher that's going against the Orioles, I'm probably doing that, Except right? John Unless Means. it's a Red John Sox Means pitcher. Good on Friday. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, John <laughs> Means right. is a different mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Pollock can tell you more about that, but yes. you know, as far as on the other side, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to stack some, some hitters, who's the best pitcher for the Red Sox right now, right? Like mm-hmm. who cares? 
I'll absolutely start getting hitters against them. Um, I'm going to keep doing that kind of thing, right? Because you don't know a lot about what's going on this season, but you know some guys that have been around for a while, and you can trust those stats. We haven't learned anything new about Martin Perez in 2021. That's a guarantee, right? Mm-hmm. So pick on him. We would have done it last year. We would have done it <laughs> the year before that. We would have done it for the last decade. So go ahead and do it again. That's the kind of stuff go. I'm doing right now in DFS or if I need to stream a hitter. So I'm finding guys I know I can pick on because I've picked on them for years and it's worked out. You're a bully. Now, great advice as always, Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I uh, want to thank you for allowing us to visit with you. We hope you were informed and entertained because that's our goal. You can follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott the Bully at If the Chew Fits. And follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, you can also follow at Pitcher List Pods. You'll be informed anytime a new episode drops for any of the uh, great podcasts on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Uh, break. So uh, also uh, subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a, a nice stellar five-star review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time. 